Good afternoon. You're listening to KFSK News for Tuesday, December 19th. I'm Hannah Floor. Trident Seafoods announced last week that it's selling a third of its Alaska plants. For Southeast Alaska, that includes the Petersburg and Ketchikan processing plants. Many in Ketchikan were caught off guard by the news. Bruce Shackler is the Alaska Seafood Marketing Institute, says these closures are indicative of a crisis for the seafood market that was years in the making. In a phone call, he called Trident's announcement a wake-up call for the public. Garrett Vincent, a Ketchikan Trident fisherman, says it's too early to tell what kind of impact the sale will have on the fleet. Vincent has been fishing for about 15 years and has had to adapt to market fluctuations. He says this isn't just a Trident problem, it's global. It's a very volatile industry. I guess what is the difference is whether there's going to be a market for uh, everybody to participate, you know. Industry experts and community leaders agree that it's too soon to tell what impact this will have on the community. Gunnar Knapp is the director of the Institute of Social and Economic Research at the University of Alaska Anchorage. He says that right now for Ketchikan, there are only questions. How soon might a buyer be found? What would be that buyer's uh, plans? And how soon would it take to, to bring them into effect? What would Trident do between now and when a buyer is found? But for NAP and Ketchikan, there are no easy answers to these questions. Even the very best scenario, which is that a, a buyer is found um, and uh, the buyer smoothly picks up the operation and, and so on, that would be sort of the very best scenario. And that would be disruptive to plant employees and the uh, fishermen and the, uh, and the community. Local representatives of the Trident plant in Ketchikan could not be reached for comment. Trident spokesperson Alexis Telfer says that management is currently meeting with employees of their closing plants. She declined to comment further, saying the company was focused on its employees and fishing fleets at this time. Cruise tourism is on the rebound in Petersburg, with this year's number of tour boats approaching the town's record season in 2007. The industry is building back from the pandemic and from the 2008 financial crisis, and local restaurateurs are enjoying the extra business. But it's a double-edged sword for those who are having trouble keeping up with the demand. For Coast Alaska's Tourism Today series, KFSK's Shelby Herbert takes a look at how more visitors are putting pressure on Petersburg's supply chain. Gailin Etcher is foaming milk for a latte at a coffee shop in Petersburg. She's the owner of Glacier Express Cafe on the town's main drag. The spot is known for hot drinks and homemade burritos that sell out fast. It's located right across from the town's North Harbor and attracts a lot of tourists. Etcher says her business enjoyed a very profitable summer. Actually, this summer was the best summer that I've seen. Since COVID, I feel like the first year or two were pretty awful. But I feel like since then, it's been really good in the summer. But in the off-season, things are starkly different. Local customers aren't numerous enough to sustain the cafe. Etcher says it's a struggle to even keep the lights on in the winter. And a lot of people leave, too, during the winter time, which, you know, and, like, there's still bills to pay. It'd be hard to just close because I would still have to pay rent. I'd still have to pay utilities. Like, the bills don't stop, 
if you close the doors for a couple months. Etcher is fighting to make sure her business can stay open in the slow months, but she says it's hard. I reduced hours earlier this year than I normally do. So in December and January, I usually close on Sundays, but this year I decided to close on Sundays a lot earlier. But not everybody in town feels the same way. Ryan Naylor is researching tourism in southeast Alaska for his doctorate at Penn State. He's visited Petersburg several times in the last few years to collect perspectives from locals on the issue. When Naylor reported his findings to Petersburg's assembly this spring, he said that the majority of Petersburg residents he polled said they don't want to cave to tourism. The types of tourism that are happening here within southeast Alaska are expected to be able to only occur and grow exponentially within more northern communities. And so I understand that these communities are very much uh, uh, key examples of what Petersburg doesn't necessarily want to be. Um, biggest uh, quote that I would consistently hear is we don't want to be Juno, Sitka, Skagway, or Ketchikan. And while the on-season brings a lot of money into town, not every business is ready for the traffic. When Glacier Cafe can't lock down the supplies they need to make their popular burritos, Etcher says she loses business and trust with locals. If it doesn't come in the next week and and I get it in the day after my next week's order time, I'm SOL because I have to tell people, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm out until next week when I can order, which is another week after that until it actually can come here, which really sucks. The shortage starts somewhere at the top. Petersburg's main food distributors experience frequent supply chain disruptions during the peak months. Hammer & Wecon is Petersburg's largest grocery store. Jim Floyd is its CEO. He says the dynamic between grocers and restaurants in rural Alaska is a lot different from how it works in the lower 48. They're not strictly competitors. Here they're actually our customers, so they're our friends. Hammer and Wecon actually supplies most of the restaurants in town, including Glacier Express. But some of their interests are in conflict, sometimes. While visitors are critical to Petersburg's restaurateurs, Floyd's main customers are locals. The people that live here day in, day out are our bread and butter, and so it's important to them that they're very important to us. And keeping all the products they need in stock during the peak months can be a challenge for Hammer and Wecon. Floyd says that's for several reasons. Their labor shortage and lack of storage space among them. But it's especially hard to keep up when passengers and crew come down from the cruise ships and wipe out their shelves. And we're not prepared for that. It affects everybody. For a while, we couldn't get vinegar, which is a huge staple for the uh, Norwegian community, actually. Floyd says the extra summer traffic means that if they're shorted some product or make a mistake in an order, they run the risk of losing business. And the accelerating demand is hard to predict. Even though we bring in extra, make sure we have it on hand, we still do run out. Floyd says Hammer and Wecon struggle to stay on top of demand this year. But he appreciates the extra business and says his team will do their best to ride the wave as it comes. And they're never going to turn away because it's money, it's dollars and stuff. And, you know, we do a lot to invest, reinvest into the community. Um, and so... It, it's important to know that there's some people that don't appreciate tourism, but guess what? It all comes back and it supports us all. They can't perfectly predict what they'll need at any given time. Floyd says he doesn't have a crystal ball, 
But his team keeps a close eye on their best-selling items. But like each commodity, like uh, like in Frozen, the biggest commodity there is pizzas. You know, we do a good job stock keeping pizzas in stock and ice cream, of course, because Alaskans love their ice cream. In the meantime, the company is trying to keep up with the velocity by expanding its refrigeration units. And that's so Petersburg shoppers, especially its ice cream lovers, might not get left out in the cold. From the Frozen section in Petersburg, I'm Shelby Herbert. What will home health look like in Sikkim without a home health department at the local hospital? The top doctor at the Southeast Alaska Regional Health Consortium, or SEARCH, gave an update on the future of home health services at the Sikka Assembly meeting last week. While there wasn't much new information, it was an opportunity for community members to voice concerns and for SEARCH to address them. Catherine Rose reports from Sitka. In September, Search announced it would be closing its home health department. The news generated concerns. What would happen to end-of-life care in the home? Would patients receive the same level of care? And would that care be more expensive? In a presentation to the Sitka Assembly on December 12th, Search's chief medical officer, Dr. Elliot Brule, tried to answer those questions. The home health department uh, or agency no longer exists, but care of patients within the home has continued. It has not stopped. It didn't stop. Everyone in this community who requires that care um, that we're aware of is receiving it and is continuing to receive it from uh, licensed professionals. Rule told the assembly that the care provided to patients in the home would be the same, but it would be through a home-based care program rather than a standalone home health agency. So what's the difference? In order to earn a home health agency designation from Medicare, the hospital had to meet additional regulations and requirements for administration and maintenance of records. Doing that required around eight staff members to run the program. And Brule said there wasn't enough demand for home health services in Sitka to justify that level of staffing. You know, having eight staff in order to perform um, care for about 20 visits uh, uh, a week. So um, uh, that's the reason for the change. And um, like all businesses, you know, we have to uh, adjust staffing to reflect the demand for services. I think anybody uh, who's in business understands that. Rule said the home-based care program would be staffed by four people instead of eight. Two physical therapists, one occupational therapist, and one registered nurse. He said the services will comply with Medicare regulations and will be reimbursed by Medicare with a 20% copay. The home care team would bring in other clinicians in situations where more staff is needed, with services like end-of-life care, for example. Brule said there are many services Search would like to provide and will if the demand is there. He pointed to recent expansions at the hospital, like upping their staffing for substance use disorder treatment and opening an opioid treatment clinic. It would be great if we could provide dialysis. It would be great if we could do neurosurgery. Um, there's just not um, enough demand for those services to justify uh, uh, staffing in that manner. Brule said he was disappointed in the community response to Search's announcement about home health. He said some staff had been aggressively confronted with questions about the program. 
and he said he believed some of the distrust of Search's motives was rooted in a deep fault line created over decades in a town with two hospitals that became a town of one in 2019 when the hospitals merged. And he said the community needed to heal from that history and build trust. And I have no illusion that um, the you know the factual information that I've presented this e- this evening will mollify s- some of that anger and resentment. When the assembly opened the floor to public comment, Cindy Littman said Brule's assessment didn't apply to her. She'd supported the merger between Search and Sitka Community. Her concerns about changes to home health were around care and cost. Dr. Brule talked about a 20% copay, but that is not trivial because if you're having several therapies or visits a week um, at a few hundred dollars per visit, that go, that 20% becomes several hundred dollars uh, a month. And that may be fine if you're a physician or a hospital administrator, but for an average retired person, over two years' time, that would have cost us out of pocket thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. And Ariella Hughes, who worried that end-of-life care in the home would be less feasible under the new structure, said she wasn't put at ease by Brule's presentation. Yes, search is a business. And it's not profitable to have a certified home health agency. It doesn't mean that it's not the right thing. It is the right thing. It's just not profitable. You do it because it's a service. You talked a lot about services. That is the service we need. Mayor Stephen Eisenbeis thanked Dr. Brule for sharing the information and getting his side of the story out. Um, I appreciate that because it does sound like you have quite a, uh, a PR issue on your hands right now. So I, I look forward to uh, search continuing to get the word out about the this continued services and the new existing services, because I think the angst in the community is very high right now. And I think that's on you to uh, to try and ease some of that as much as possible. One PR opportunity search passed on was a recent town hall on the future of home health hosted by the Sitka Woman. Club. Search was invited to participate and answer questions, but did not send a representative. Dr. Brule said that was because of Search's commitment to process. The avenue Search provides for the public to respond and ask questions is the Community Health Council, which was established when Search merged with the Sitka Community Hospital. Once a year, the group takes public testimony. Brule said the next council meeting is in January. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Catherine Rose. For KFSK, I'm Hannah Floor.